I'm getting old. <laughs> Fast. You know, and it's, it's, it's interesting, this process of getting old. My dad is even older. He's really old. And you know, it's an amazing thing about old people is that we don't want to move anymore. I'm serious. I mean, the happiest moments of the day is when we get to finally perch on the couch. And movement's not fun for us. I mean, I appreciate, you know, all the young people, you know, that love to go to the gym and move. But my idea is just to move, you know, from the table to the recliner. It's about all the movement I'm interested in at this point. I mean, yesterday I moved a little firewood and had to climb up a ladder and do a little something. And I, I got up this morning and I, I felt it a little bit because I'm old. Now, I don't know how this works. My wife's not old and we're the same age. That's so just how it works, gentlemen, just helping you out here. All right. But the reality is every one of us are called to keep moving. And for those of you that keep up with these things, I've entitled this message this morning, Led or Fled, Keep Moving. Hebrews 11, we know this passage, it's the heroes of the faith. All these great men and all these great things that they've done, but it goes on in verse 13 and it says this, Hebrews 11. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Now that explains Pastor Eddie and Pastor David and aliens and strangers. They, but, but even the heroes of the heroes of the faith, they admitted we don't belong here. This is temporary. We are passing through. And people who say such things show they're looking for a country of their own. And if they had been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Aliens and strangers always, the language, it intimates a transition. We're not going to be here for long. How much though of our life is so consumed with how do we get the most juice out of this lemon called life? But many times we fail to have an eternal perspective about what this really is all about. We are passing through. We are in motion. We are in movement from one thing to the next. But the question is, as we move, is it because we're fleeing or because we're being led? Are we fleeing or leaving? And how do we discern the difference? The greatest scriptural narratives are about movement. The great exodus, Moses, the man of God, friend of God, leading an entire nation out of generations of bondage. Joshua, leading that same group of knuckleheads into the promised land. 
And the greatest narrative of all about leaving is Jesus. Leaving the glory of heaven and the fellowship of the Father to come and do something for you and for me that we could never do for ourselves. And then leaving and returning to that place of honor and glory. And yet it's in this movement where we often find ourselves in the most vulnerable moments of life. I mean, consider a mother. Jermaine set it up for us this morning. (laughs) But there is no greater moment of vulnerability as the little person makes the journey from the big person out into the world. I don't know of another moment that's the greatest vulnerability for both mother and child than the movement to come in to maturity. And yet many times the devil will exploit these moments because many times they involve a desert, do they not? Consider where Moses, where the children of Israel wound up, where? In the desert. Come on. Elijah in the desert. Jesus, Matthew 4, Luke 4, led by the Spirit into where? Into the desert. And many times we hear that word desert and we just think, ah! But most of the time, it's a place of dealing. It's a place where there's not a lot of distraction, not a lot of YouTube videos. Not a lot of fast food on every corner. Time of reflection. Jesus, full of the Spirit, after this moment of being tempted by the devil, he enters public ministry. The Spirit, the wind, the cloud. Israel being led. Exodus 13, a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. At night, a pillar of fire. Two pictures of the Holy Spirit, cloud and fire. And you and I are called to be led the same way in this moment. In these days and every day that we call this life is being led by the Spirit. But how do you know? How do we really know it's the movement of God? 1987, God spoke to my wife and I and said, I want you to move to the farm the farm. Now look at me. Do I look like farm to you? And it was my mother and her mother. And I guess my wife and I had watched too many reruns of the Waltons. Let me just tell you. And so we moved the fam out to the farm. Four generations of women in the same kitchen. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Grandmother, mother, my wife, and a two-year-old. And let me just tell you, my, my grandmother would watch my wife in the kitchen. And the pace by which my wife was careful. Do you understand? She was precise. My grandmother could shell a bushel of butter beans while my wife was just... Some, some, we got some folk here know what I'm talking about. What's a butter bean? So 
And she would just look over at my wife. She said, bless her heart. <laughs> bless her heart. And the two-year-old bounding around. I mean, four generations of ladies and the guy just backed off. But we were there to serve and a couple of acres of grass to cut every, every Saturday and stuff to do and breaking and, and we moved out there to serve and God told us to go and we, we, we got all the right counsel and my pastor said, no, it's a, it's a trap from the pit of hell. You'll do it over my dead body. And I just, I asked one of my other friends who was a prophet. He says, it's the will of the God. You should go. Then I asked my father-in-law. He said, well, it'll cure you or kill you, one or the other. <laughs> so trying to get wise counsel, here we are. This is as good as it gets. So we've done it. Two years after that, my wife and I, within this, a matter of just a few days, we begin to realize the sunscreen has worn off. And we are being blistered in this environment now. The cloud moved. And all of the natural reasons by which we moved there were still there. There was only one difference. The Spirit of God said, go. And through much weeping and gnashing of teeth, and I won't even tell that story, we left because the cloud moved. Let me just tell you. When the cloud moves, you better be under it. You better be under it when the cloud moves. Because it's under that cloud that not only will you find the presence of God, you will find the grace of God. And you will find everything that comes in the grace package, which is rest and provision and all those wonderful things. So what does this look like? Let's get practical for a moment. The first is leaving. You know, we often talk about destiny. We love that word. Destiny. Have to lower your voice. Kind of a James Earl Jones. Destiny. <laughs> you know, the music has to shift. And if you're in our every nation world, if you don't say destiny at least five times in a sermon, they bill you. We love that word. I mean, it's like strong, champ, destiny. I mean, they all go together in every nation. But you see, a destiny always implies a destination. It means that we're going somewhere. Destiny is not just this, this, this is who I is and this is how God has made me and I'm going to get, I'm going to release the fullness of everything. No, it is about going somewhere. Destiny is about movement. It's not just about you. Uh-oh. Moving on. But every destination begins with a leaving. I mean, we talk about the journey. We talk about getting there. But every destination begins with, you got to go. You got to leave where you are to go somewhere else. Say, come on, Pastor Jim. Tell me something I don't know. But... Marriage, a man will what? Leave. Leave and cleave. A man will leave. That means, brother, you got to get out the basement and put, put the video game down. You understand what I'm saying? There are women that want to marry you. 
but you got to leave mama and get out the basement. For this reason, a man will leave. Children, after they eat all your food and have blown through your bank account, they will leave. Hopefully. The apostolic. Once we move beyond the theological and the theoretical, then all of a sudden it involves somebody has to do what? Leave. Hmm. Don't like it so hard now. Because leaving's hard. Why is that? Because it's what we know. I like it like this. 1990. God gave my wife and I the privilege of building a house, our first house. We lived in some other houses. They were like busted houses we put back together. But we actually had a chance to build a new one. It was really nice, too. I mean, it was, you know, had a little pond and everything, you know, that, that, uh, that Blythe promptly backed into with her Jeep. And, but it was, it, was a really, it was a really nice place. And I'm there, and we know the boxes are in there, and I'm on the porch, and we had positioned the house, and it looked out over the pond, and I'm like Nebuchadnezzar surveying his kingdom. (laughs) And I was there. And you know, I'm having a worship moment. Oh, Jesus, you're so good. Thank you for your provision. You know how we can really get our worship on when God's doing a little something for us, right? You know, and God, I just thank you so much and that I, we can just put our roots down here now and serve this city. And the Holy Spirit say, hey, enjoy it. You won't be here long. The boxes weren't unpacked. Excuse me? I rebuke thee. And the Holy Spirit, you won't be here long. Less than 36 months later, we were living in an apartment in Ashburn, Virginia. Who would have, who would have thought? What I, but I, what I didn't know at that time, it wasn't just about me and my wife and our destiny to come and serve Pastor Brett and release our giftings in this environment. What I did not know is that God was having me go before to prepare a place for some other folk. You see... When we cooperate with the movement of God, it becomes something larger than just you and me getting our destiny fulfilled, getting our pocketbooks filled, getting however filled we need to be. When we are obedient to move, when God says move, all kinds of things happen behind us that we had no idea were even possible. Children, grandchildren, marriages, jobs, I had no idea what all that was going to mean. Hannah Beth Whitaker, where are you, HB? Are you here? There, she was on the stage. She left. Went to 180. Good for her. We all love Hannah Beth. You know how Hannah Beth got here? Her parents followed me here from a church in Rocky Mount because Pastor Brett said, could I steal your children's ministers? Oh, yeah, I'm leaving. Take anything you want. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> really, that's not how it works. Scratch that, all right? But who would have known that as my wife and I came up here beyond my children and then their children and then 
Jermaine and Black, who would have known that Ken and Joni would come up here and bring their children and now Hannah Beth would have a place. Wow. Pastor Tim Say, friend of Pastor Brett's, I heard him say this in a message once. He says, you can be a Christian and never move, but you can't be a disciple and never move. And there's a lot of Christians and they just like, oh, I'm going to heaven. This is, yay. Yeah, good. Okay, fine. I'm going to stay right where I am though. And when I stop respirating, then I'm going to get mine. There's only one problem. You can't be a disciple with that attitude because a disciple is always moving, always morphing, always changing. What did Jesus say? Follow me. Follow me. What does that mean? Movement. Elijah coming to Elisha, throwing his cloak on him. Follow me. And listen to me, saints. If you can never leave, you'll never lead. This is why many people, and they think, well, I, you know, I'm doing all this and, you know, I've got these skill sets and I, I, I do all this at work. Let me tell you, but if you can't leave, you'll never lead because it's prerequisite. And this is one of the reasons believers never come into the full measure of blessing or destiny in their life. They will not fully leave where they are, what they're doing, or who they are to possess something else. Well, this is who I am. You just have to love me like this. Yeah, but last I checked, this was not about me just loving you and the mess that you are. This is about you becoming less of you and more like Jesus. It's this process of sanctification where you're leaving behind the old in order to take hold of the new. But I'm afraid I'll lose myself. Good. Some of it need to be lost. Never to be found again. Leave it. Movement. So why don't we go? We hear it. We understand it. Why don't we leave? This one's it's just real simple. I'll give you a few. First is we're lazy. Sorry. Hate to be the one to tell you. You can't talk to me that way. Many of us are just flat lazy. I mean, what is the primary reason that I don't move? I'm lazy. There are things that I need to do and become and things that I need to overcome. And yet you can't do it from the Barker lounger. You can't do it vicariously through the TV preachers or Pastor Brett scholarship. or you, you, it, it, it won't work that way. For some of us, we want every detail, every direction made known to us in advance. Okay, God, I'll move, but I need to, I need the five-year plan. Trust me, saints, you don't want the five-year plan. Because if you got the five-year plan, you would flee in terror. You only think you want it. But it's a little bit like the children's in the back seat of the car. Where are we going? Are we there yet? 
Five-hour drive. You're not even out of the driveway. We there yet? We don't leave because we simply like our life like it is. I like this. It's why many people stay in a life of sin. Why? I like it. It feels good. It's serving me well in the moment. Yeah, it's going to drag you off to hell eventually. I know, but I like it now. But we like our life. So we park it right there. I mean, Abram. Abram was hooked up. Old guy. I mean, he had cattle and he had, he had lands and he had everything else. And then God tells the old guy, you got to go. Where am I going? You just leave. I'll tell you when you get there. Can you imagine that trip? Here's Abram. Are we there yet? Don't know. I have no idea. Well, when are we going to get there? I don't know that either. Shut up. I mean, this is harder than old man. You know that? For some of us, we don't dislike our life enough to leave it either. We're afraid it might not be, Pastor David, what it's all cracked up to be. Well, that isn't what I thought. How many of us got married and after about the first couple of weeks, it's like, well, that's not what I thought. Try 40 years of the same thing. <laughs> well, that's not what I thought. See, now you're thinking the worst. I'm t- See, I'm thinking the best. That's, but it's not what you thought it was going to be. Are you with me? Uninterrupted marriage bliss. No, don't think so. For many of us, we don't move because we don't really trust God that he can provide something that is far and away better than what we currently have. And so like the, like the six month old, we got mine, mine. It's a smart six month old. that can say that, but anyway, (laughs) mine. And so you find this child and they grab hold of something and you know, you're trying to give them something better. Come on. And they're It's amazing how strong those little buggers can be. But we do the same thing to God. He says, son, I've really got something a whole lot better, a whole lot bigger. I know, but I got this now. And it becomes an issue. We don't leave because we don't really trust God that he can provide something far and away and beyond better than where we are. There's a fear of change. Surprise! I'm over 60. I don't like surprises much. That's why I go to Sweetwater. I order the same thing every time. I don't care. I don't care what the special is or how good it sounds or whether it's over polenta or whether it's over cauliflower mash. I don't care. This is what I eat here. I don't like surprises much. Because most of the time for us, it seems like surprises are not good things. Surprise, your cholesterol is 20,000. <laughs> Children love surprises. 
But we get a little suspect of them because for us, surprise now doesn't hold promise, it holds terror. So we get so sophisticated, we think we know a little something, then all of a sudden it gets harder and harder for God to move us. But you see, when we begin to move, and I'll close with this, we begin to understand it's, again, less about us. 1 Kings 17, we find this first of two seminal stories about the prophet Elijah. Elijah prophesies this famine as a result of it not raining on the land for about three and a half years. Remember this story. There's only one problem with prophesying no rain and a famine. You still live there. And all the grocery stores are out of business because there's nothing to sell. And so God leads him beside the brook of Cherith and these nasty big birds called ravens that basically only eat dead stuff. Can you imagine Elijah's waiting? Well, what's he bringing for lunch today? Oh, that's nasty. And then watching that brook begin to dry up and these birds come and bring him whatever they were bringing him. These unclean birds. And then God says, but I have commanded... The same way he commanded the ravens to feed him. He said, I have commanded a widow in Zarephath to take care of you. Now, this woman is a Sidonian. She's a Gentile. So we're moving from unclean birds to moving to an unclean place in the home of an unclean woman. And Elijah goes and he finds this dear lady stooped over collecting sticks at the city gates. Now, he's thinking widow, wealthy widow, nice house. Maybe she's got, you know. No, 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 no. She is collecting sticks. She's poor. Imagine what's going through Elijah's mind. Really, God, this is what you got? I'm moving from these, I'm moving from ravens to this poor woman, and she's getting ready to cook her last meal so she and her boy can die. This is what, really? And yet you remember the story. Because of Elijah's obedience to move, from the Kareth Ravine to Zarephath, guess what? The blessing extended not just to Elijah getting his belly full, but guess what happened? As long as the famine was going on, it says her oil jar and her flour jar never ran empty. Many of you wonder, why does God have me in this workplace? Why does God have me in this dormitory with all of these heathens? Why has God planted me here? I can't find a Christian in 10 miles. These people are nasty. Maybe God has put you in the middle of that spot, that place. He's moved you to that very spot to see blessing come to their life, to see provision come to that company. To see something happen that would not happen if you had not been obedient to leave where you were and to go to that place. And many times we look and say, well, that's not a Christian. He doesn't have a fish on his bumper sticker. He says ugly words. Good. Because that's the very spot God's probably going to plant you. David's going to the Mile High City. Why do you think they call it that? 
it don't got a lot to do with elevation. <laughs> and that's exactly where God's calling this couple. Right in the middle of the stuff. Wow. So let me ask you a question in closing. Are you moving? Are you moving today? You know, we're going to find ourselves in one of three places all the time. Preparing to move, moving, settling, and then it starts all over again. I hate to tell you that. You know, we get in certain places in our life and we, and we, and we think, well, this is it. I found the sweet spot. I've overcome that anger problem. I've overcome this water. Look at me. This is the new improved gym 2.0. <laughs> Let me just tell you, there's an upgrade coming. Because there's a few bugs in your OS that still need to be worked out. God still got his hands on us. And again, many times this movement is not just geographical. Many times it's emotional. It's spiritual. And let me close with this. Many of us who are good charismatics and Pentecostals, we find ourselves getting in these situations many times like, surely, God, this is not God. Surely, God would never leave me like this. God would never leave me here. And so we begin to bind and loose and rebuke and smack and do everything like Jesus. And, and we do all this kind of stuff to get our Pentecost on. And yet, many times, listen to me, you're rebuking the very circumstance that God himself has ordered. The very wind that you think is a contrary wind to the purposes of God is the very wind God has released against your life. Now, don't hear the wrong thing. I'm not saying that God is capable of evil, but he will certainly allow the devil a little something-something. Read the book of Job if you have a problem with this. In order to get you where he wants to get you. And many of us, we find ourselves rebuking the circumstance around our life, the very wind of movement. But yet that's the very circumstance that God is using to perfect something in you. Keep moving. Many times you think that you're fleeing. Let me just tell you. Fleeing and leaving many times. God's hand is in both. Pray with me. Lord, we just thank you for this precious folk this morning. It's a great church. What you're doing, God, what this church is already accomplishing, sending, sending a big 10 days team, planting a church from a church. Amazing. And God, we thank you. This is just the beginning. But God, I'm praying that you would create a flexibility in each one of us. God, a wine skin that could contain the new wine that you want to pour in. And God, I pray anywhere that we've become inflexible. Where we say, God, this is it. I don't want to move anymore. God, we repent. God, we, and we pray this prayer with great caution. Move us. Move us from where we are. God, from glory to glory. Keep changing. Keep moving. Keep being God. 
Keep being the good shepherd that you are. And as we hear and obey your voice, we'll be better sheep to move quickly. Heed your voice. God, we love you. We thank you. God's people said, amen. Thank you, church.